Blog Talk Radio. In much less detail, the podcast where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. Here are your hosts, Jay and Trey. Y'all know what time it is. It is time for In Much Less Detail, the podcast. Here with you live on a Wednesday night, October the 17th, 2018. I'm Dre, he's Jay. Yep, we're back on a Wednesday night again. Not our normal Tuesday night, but once again, circumstances beyond our control. Life happens and you got to move the time of the show. So here we are. Here I am getting in literally five minutes ago, getting home from bowling and getting something to eat and just barely, barely making it onto the show. Jay is here. Jay's had a long week. I've had a long week. We're here to break down week six of the NFL, which was a long week for some of these teams out here and a very happy week for some others. Uh, very newsworthy week, very active week. Uh, a lot of places to start. Uh, that, that Sunday nighter, which was just ridiculous, uh, I guess, for the entertainment factor uh, that the Chiefs against the Patriots. The Chiefs finally suffered their first loss of the season, but certainly not without a fight. Uh, Jay, what would you think of that debacle? It, well, it didn't look like it was going to go very well for the Chiefs early on. Um, the Patriots seemed to have their number pretty early, and you thought, oh, here we go. You know, we're going to get our typical – we're going to get our typical sunning, um, but we've overlooked the fact uh, potentially that the uh, New England defense is just really bad, and they they kept the Chiefs in the game, and all of a sudden it became just a, a you know bombs away show, and you've got long bomb touchdowns, long catches and runs, you know Pat Mahomes uh, clearly not wilting in the moment. Um, even though he turned over the ball a couple of times, he, he, he still displayed everything that made you think that, you know, that's a special talent that they have there in Kansas city. And, you know, they, you got to feel, you know, they, I mean, they're coming away with a, basically they lose on a last second field goal, but, you know, took a game that you thought it looked like they were on their way, way to getting blown out. And turned it into a very fun, very high scoring again, and not a lot of defense. But you don't expect any defense when it comes down to the the Patriots and the Chiefs. I mean, these these are two teams that that haven't been playing any defense now for a few seasons. So yeah, you end up with you know eighty three points and you know seven hundred yards passing, and you end up with just a, basically a pinball match going back and forth. But it's fun, and you know, just like I said after the Super Bowl, it's not good football, but it's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I come for an over-under for about 300, and it wasn't that far off, was it? No, and you throw on top of that that both teams were actually running the ball. Um, now, the Chiefs lacked in, in you know, the amount of runs, but they were definitely getting big runs. And then you had the uh, the Patriots who were able, again, Sony Michelle's very slowly taking over that job. Um, as being sort of their ground and pound kind of guy, and he, he did the job again. You know, James White's clearly not the every down type back. He's a he's a third down uh, he's a third down back, and he'll make a lot of gains in the passing game. Uh, 
But you're, you're starting to see a little bit, you know, the, the Patriots are starting to get that going. You know, Josh Gordon was a little bit more involved. And it, it, this is kind of what we're going to see. I think it's also going to end up being probably the downfall for both of these teams. But it's a lot of fun um, to watch all this high-flying offense, but zero defense. Yeah, uh, NBC made sure, and not just NBC, but other outlets made sure that we all knew that Tom Brady sent out an Instagram with uh, Josh Gordon's image or picture on it and, and the word attack uh, written underneath oh, that. Okay. And I don't think he does that. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think he does that if he's playing an actual NFL defense. He's playing the Kansas City Chiefs, so he can do something yeah. like that. Because that's sort of taunting. And, you know, Tom Brady's always trying to keep everything tamped down and, and be, you know, classy and not say anything. And for him to come out with something like that before a game, you know, looking at an opponent and saying, okay, what we're going to do, Josh Gordon attack, and we're just going to keep going to Josh Gordon. I don't think he does that against a defense that he has any respect for at all. And I don't yeah. think they had any respect for the Chiefs coming in. And he tried to attack with Gordon all game, but the problem with that is Gordon's not a great wide receiver. All that talent, he's very good, uh, but he's not he's not great. So they, they tried. They, they had some success, but they mostly failed with him. First series, uh, Gordon didn't look back running down the sideline. He could have had a, a back shoulder catch if he actually looked for the ball. And then on fourth and three, Brady tried to get him on a comeback route, but he didn't come back soon enough. So it's, it, it, all the stuff that you talk about with Gordon in, in Cleveland and everyone romanticizes the good plays that he made and how good he was when he was on the field but he wasn't a perfect receiver at all. He, he's, he's a great playmaker and he does stretch the field, which is something the Patriots need desperately. But uh, as far as relying on him to be like the man, I think Brady has you know, always been looking for the next Randy Moss ever since that season he had with Randy Moss in which he went undefeated. He's looking for the next guy to be that, to take the Patriots offense to that level. Um, and he's hoping Gordon is that guy. And unfortunately he's just not. Well, it's all it's Gordon for the length of NFL career he's had has not played in that many games actually. I mean he's he's spent entire seasons banished from the league, and he comes back for a game or two, and then he gets banished again. Um, so you know, honestly, if you take the actual number of games he's played, he's probably only played what maybe three seasons in the NFL. That sounds about right. Thirty some odd yeah. games, even though he's. Yeah probably been in the league for what feels like six or seven years now it's, it's became like an every year thing with him it has he's, he's you know and going he's, he's becoming the Jeff settles of of the nfl you remember <laughs> Jeff settles played basketball at iowa for about 12 years uh and then you get guys like that they got a couple of red shirt seasons there and you look up and he's, you're like wait a minute he, he's still there he's still Josh Gordon is still in the league despite not having played all that many games, and he's he's really exciting. He's he can be really good, but he's just not that guy. I don't think. Yeah. So you so you look up and you know, and the Patriots kind of do their thing. They do it in a little bit of a different way, um, having to win that game that you would figure would just be an obvious, you know, twenty-four to nine at halftime. Looks like here we go again. Patriots are just asserting their dominance. Andy Reid and the Chiefs were clearly not afraid. And, you know, they let that thing open up in the second half, and it started to move, and it started to move pretty well. And uh, they don't have that sluggish first half. Maybe, just maybe, the Chiefs go up there and pull it off. 
Yeah, Pat Mahomes was a little excited for this game early. He overthrew some open targets, uh, but it's understandable in that spot that he was a little geeked up. Uh, there was an excellent fake blitz and, and drop into coverage by Dante Hightower of the Patriots for that interception over the middle. That that was really sp- uh, special what the Patriots are doing on defense most of the night, just sending guys up the A-gap uh, around the edges, making Mahomes look like, oh, God, here comes everybody, and then dropping back into coverage and, and just sort of faking him out like that. You get a young, inexperienced kid like that, no matter how much success he's had, if you can speed up his process and make him hurry when he doesn't have to hurry, that's when you make mistakes. And But once again, second half, here comes Mahomes, here come the Chiefs, as you said, not scared, uh, putting, it, putting it all together. Uh, and, the, and the Patriots, I think they knew what was coming. Uh, because by the time the Chiefs put all of that together uh, with Mahomes and Kareem Hunt and, and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and, and uh, one possession, one you know one play possessions where you get a touchdown immediately, uh, seventy five yards to Hill uh, to make it forty forty. New England clearly went slow on that last possession in order to have the last possession of the game, and I think that's one of the better compliments you can possibly pay the Kansas City Chiefs and what they're doing right now. That is a great compliment to to Kansas City that they clearly slowed down on that last possession to make sure they got the game-winning field goal attempt. Brady even lined up the field goal. He took an extra play to just center the ball. We're not going to leave any time on the clock for these guys because they just keep making plays and keep coming and, and made sure that they made sure they had, they had the last possession. That New England did not want to give the ball back to, to Pat Mahomes. Usually it's the other team doesn't want to give the ball back to Tom Brady. This time it was Brady didn't want to give the ball back to Mahomes. And I think that, that spoke yeah. volumes. Yeah, so we'll see what the loss does to Kansas City. I, I don't know if it necessarily slows them down. They're not going to lose eight in a row or or, or – you know, unless Mahomes, you know, hurts himself or does something, but you know, it, it'll be interesting because again, you, you get the sense that these two teams could end up running into each other again. And uh, again, like we had said the week before, um, I believe it was in those at Casey. Was that Casey Jacksonville where we ended up talking about that? Like, well, you know, these two teams meet again in the playoffs. I'm not sure it goes quite the same way. I kind of ended up having that feeling about this one. Like, yeah, the Chiefs lost. But you give them another crack at these guys, they're clearly not going to be scared. It could be a different story. So we've got potential playoff matchups all up and down. Although now the, now the Chiefs uh, are only sitting a game ahead of the Chargers. Char- Chargers are finally starting to play a little ball, too. Yep, Chargers are charging in there. They, they seem to do that uh, every year that they have a stretch yeah. where it's like, oh, oh, look out, here come the Chargers. Yeah. Well, you know, Phillip Rivers is old. A lot of those guys on that team. It's definitely not a young team. They take, you know, a lot of – how much of the NFL now, because of the lack of premium that's put on the preseason, makes it feel like that this is sort of like now teams are actually starting to play their regular season schedule. It's like college, you know, you play your first couple, three games in, against the scrub teams, and then you actually get in like, oh, okay, now we got to play real football. It's like now we're starting to see some teams, you know, because things look totally different. Some of these teams look totally different from even where we were a month ago. So the Chargers got the the Mississippi Valley State game out of the way and the, yeah. uh, the Eastern Michigan, and now they're ready for the for the real schedule. 
Yeah, because they went to Cleveland and they just laid it to them. Yeah, they got after Baker Mayfield. Uh, they they flushed they that brown it. fever right out of there, didn't they? They got, they got after him. Melvin Gordon had himself a day. Um, you know, all of a sudden this Browns defense that's, you know, the Browns defense is why they're winning games. And they put 38 up up there in Cleveland. Um, that game that was never that game was never out of um, out of reach uh, for the Chargers. I mean, they had that thing the whole time. No, that was that was over uh, before it started, and so, that's what the Browns do too. So maybe they're swagger that they got out of Baker yeah. Mayfield coming in, and they got some some mileage out of that. But maybe that starts to peter out now, and you get down to the the, the real football teams. And of course, the Browns aren't. They don't have to put the personnel to be a real football team. They just play like it or act it like it the last few weeks. Right. Plus, you know, you also had to have. I also had that feeling that. Not just um, not just that, but it, all this sort of fake love that the Browns were getting, like you know, all of a sudden, like they were the hot team, and you know, Baker Mayfield was gonna rally them, and they're a playoff contender, and they're gonna win the division. I was like, yeah, come on, <laughs> you can just you can just say this stuff just to be sensational because you got to fill a twenty four hour news cycle. But who really believed that? Who actually thought that the Browns were going to amount to much this year? They should, they should take their five wins that maybe that they'll get and be happy because they had five more wins in the year before, and they can build off of that. They'll still get another good draft pick, and, and they'll be able to continue to build this thing. There's clearly better days ahead for them. It doesn't feel like that, you know, it's just like they're in the, the, the depths and they're never going to get out of this abyss. Like, oh, there's light at the end of the tunnel. You can kind of see the glimmers of hope for Cleveland. But this is sure. not that year. This is not that. This was not going to be that game, and this is not going to be that year. But uh, so we knocked out those two pretty quick. Which I know the one that you don't want to talk about, the one we have to talk about. We have to talk about Brock Osweiler. Why? I, I know. I mean, I even contingency picked that and was like so thankful that I did. Right. And and Brock Osweiler then throws for three hundred and eighty yards. And that Bears defense doesn't get a single sack against the human statue that is Brock Osweiler. I mean, everyone has a good game every now and then is about all I can say. Um, even like Brock Osweiler. Just, thrust, just, just getting thrust into it like that. I mean, he, he was into it. He he had swagger. He was, like, pumping up and down. He was, like, jumping on the sideline. He was yelling. He was yelling. I mean, wow. I mean, he, he looked like he was really invested in this game for, for Miami. Uh, I heard that the Bears. when he got uh, I heard that when he got the news that morning, Sunday morning, that he was actually yeah. emotional about it. Like he was so happy to get another chance after all the crap that he's been playing like the last couple of years. He was just happy to get a shot. So he played like a man that was thankful to have another chance. And then Chicago, yeah. uh, you know, and for all of that. For all of that, and, and yeah, I'm, I'm a Bears fan, so sour grapes. Uh, you're, yeah. You've been warned, so here it comes. Uh, 380 to Brock Osweiler, didn't sack him once. You already mentioned all of that. Up 11 points in the third quarter and, and blew yep. the game. Just awful performance coming off the bye. Even with all of that, if they get the touchdown on the play where there's a dubious uh, offensive pass interference call back, the Bears go up. 27 to 13, I believe, if they get that touchdown. That game's over. Yeah. Brock Osweiler isn't bringing them back from down two uh, two touchdowns in the second right. half. 
Um, and the very next play after that interference wipes out the touchdown, uh, Trubisky, our, our guy Mitchell Trubisky, poor guy, uh, throws an interception. And then the Dolphins take that ball and go down the other field the other way for a touchdown. So one little call, it's, oh, it's yeah. sour grapes, I understand. But one iffy call, the offensive pass interference on the play where Trey Burton is going, looks like he's just going to run a route inside and runs into a defender. And that happens all the time. But this time they decided to call that a pick. Um, and, uh, you know, it's so tenuous sometimes. Yeah. You you got – that, One that call was, that can change everything, and that and that's looks yeah. like that's what happened there. That that was a pick, but the play at the end of Pittsburgh Cleveland wasn't. But here's the thing: I didn't think that was a pick at the, the play at the end of Pittsburgh Cleveland. I watched the whole game. I've watched that yeah. play. You get it, one it yard. Only, you get a yard off the line of scrimmage, yeah. and he made contact within yeah. that yard, and then he drove. Here, here's where I agree. When I saw the play the first time at the end, the touchdown to Antonio Brown, I didn't yeah. think it was a pick. And it happened so fast. Yes. I mean, it was just bang, gone. The, the refs, I mean, I don't even think the refs had a chance to even react to throw the flag. But when you actually watched it and they isolated on it, yeah, it was a pick. But we always, in, in real time, when it happened, and it was the end of a great game, thank God, because it was my lock of the week. Although. Even if Pittsburgh lost that there, it was still 21-20. I still win my lock. I just win it in the <laughs> cheapest possible manner possible because it's a one-point loss in a one-and-a-half-point spread. It wins a win. Um, that just made it feel a little better. It's like, okay, if I'm going to have a lock of the week, I don't want to get cute. You cannot get cute and, and have that as your lock. And, and I almost got cute. Uh, at least got a getting cute result. <laughs> I wouldn't be uh, – claiming any geniusness, but I'm not actually claiming any geniuses. That was a pretty ugly game, which is what we kind of expect. But with the Bears, yeah, I mean, yeah, we can go back to a call that maybe that changes everything because we know it's not going to happen. But the fact remains that Brock Osweiler, he played a hell of a game for as much as much crap. I mean, the fact that I was like, what, where Brock Osweiler might start? I'm changing my whole pick. Well, it shows me. Um, should, should have just the stuck with my guns on Miami. Yeah, should have just stuck with the Bears kind of stink on the road until they show me otherwise, and their defense didn't show up on the road here in this one either. Um, and and again, you know, overtime. Even if the if the Bears had kicked that game-winning field goal yeah. in overtime, the one that they ended up missing, we could have pinned that back to the fact that, well, you know, it also helps that the guy from you know, Miami just goes on this game-winning drive, and the dude fumbles at like the two-inch line. All right, I'm going to score. I'm going to take it right yeah. in. I'm going to – oh, yeah. no. So, so as he's about to go into the end zone, and they're going to win that game, and it, and uh, he fumbles it like literally like the two-inch line, and the Bears fall on the fumble. And then you're thinking, all oh, the Bears are going to escape here, and they've got it, and they're charmed, and then they go, and then they miss the field goal. So that both teams with tons of opportunities in that game, things could have gone one way or the other. Um, but, you know, I know you're a Bears fan, and that one had to hurt. Uh, we got to give it up to the to the to the great for one week, Brock Osweiler. Oh fuck him! They should have been up fourteen. Um, <clears throat> no, they, and the Chicago of course, the uh, I believe four and a half point favorite. So even if they get that yeah. field goal in overtime, no, the we field still goal lose doesn't that win pick. The pick. But at least it wins your team the game. They should have won the game. They they absolutely yeah. were not beat by the better team, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, so yeah, Brock Osweiler, great job by him. He had a, he had a very good game for him. Nice job, fuck him. 
Um, yeah, uh, but Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, yeah, boy, you talk about blood sport and exactly what we yeah. thought it was going to be and cheap shots. And if you get a chance to see what Vontez Burfitt tried to do to Antonio Brown, he tried it again. He tried to knock his oh. ass out. He tried to give him another Grammy. Well, I saw it because it happened so fast, but I saw the play where Brown was sort of getting held up by like three guys. Was that Burfitt who ran by and put the shoulder in his face? He, yes, it was Burford that ran, yeah. and it wasn't a shoulder. He tried to flex his flex his right. elbow out and knock him upside the okay. head. He tried to but knock it, him yeah, out. It was, it was it was dirty as all hell. I saw the oh play, my god! I only saw it sort of like in passing, and I was like, oh, of course that, of course that happened. And they were abusing Antonio Brown that whole game, and then of course he gets the ultimate revenge by oh, yeah. uh, by scoring on that just blazing fast touchdown. I mean, blink and you miss it, and he scored. I mean, beautiful play design, everything like you said. Um, do they get that? They get that little buffer zone, and they used every little bit of it. And they did the stack <laughs> formation, and he peeled off, and they didn't have a guy assigned to him, and he just split the safeties, and he was gone. And so, you try and try and try to be as cheap as you want to, and uh, you know, the better team here in this case won out. I mean, we all know that. Cincinnati's always kind of playing with fool's gold, especially when it comes to playing the Steelers, which I makes I believe this makes seven in a row now. The Steelers have won over Cincinnati. And Cincinnati tried. I mean, I'll give them credit. They legitimately tried. But, you know, this this was the sunning. This was the one more than the, the Kansas City-New England one, which was sort of like that thrilling shootout. This was Cincinnati just trying so hard. They're just gonna, we're going to get these guys. We're finally going to get these guys. And it just keeps just Son, not going it, you're, you're not, not ready, ready yet. <laughs> that's right you're not ready <laughs> and it was so familiar too it was it really reminded me a lot of the playoff game the aj mccarran uh, game because yeah. cincinnati takes the, the very very late lead in that one too can't hold you, you on can't get you can't get too much later than this it was 118 yeah. 118 left in the fourth quarter when Joe Mixon powers a touchdown in, and Cincinnati's up 21-20. It's like, oh, well, <laughs> can Pittsburgh pull it off? Can they come back there? This is pretty tough, pretty tough territory. Well, <laughs> the, you know, Cincinnati's celebrating. They slayed the beast. They did it. They And then Ben made uh, – Roethlisberger actually made a couple of bad throws coming out uh, of that one-minute drill, the one-minute drive. Uh, but Drake Kirkpatrick. Uh, had a hold of, of Antonio Brown at one point to keep the game going to, to get a defensive flag for a first down. And then from that point, okay, Ben's like, okay, let me find Juju Smith-Schuster. He's as open as his, as it gets. That got him in a field goal range. You're like, okay, now Pittsburgh can just win the game with a field goal, but they're going to run one more play. And on that play, since he shows that blitz and, and Ben just hits Antonio Brown yeah. uh, and, and just goes, uh, as we know, 33 yards with nobody touching him. Uh, so you thought after further review, after further review, you thought that actually should have been called a flag. I, I'm not sure that it should have been called because I don't think there was any way that they could have called it because it happened so quick. But I did think it was a pick. Does that make sense? Yeah, but what specifically about the mechanic of, of the block? Because I, I thought if you initiate the block – Within a yeah. yard of the line of scrimmage, you can just drive the guy all the way off the field if you want. Yeah, it, it, so, it had it had that's it what, had that's the what look. he did. Yeah, and no, and like again, it, it just had that look 
it, it just didn't pass the smell test to me. But what I will say is that's clearly a play that Pittsburgh had in their back pocket. That, that didn't have the feel of a, oh, I read the blitz. That had the feeling of a, we've got this one in the back pocket and we're going to save it for a very special moment. And they pulled that out at exactly the right time. Because I have a feeling that now that they've put that doubt on film, you're going to see teams defend that play a little different when you see uh, Antonio Brown right back. They're like, maybe you're going to want a second defender over there. Just maybe. To me, it did look like they reacted to the blitz because Brown is lined up split all the way wide at first. And he comes in motion to behind that guy that that set that pick, whose name I forget right now. But Brown comes in motion uh, to line up behind him to stack it, uh, and then they go with that very quick hitter. I think they did react to the blitz to set that up because Brown outside uh, looked like he had been beating Drake Kirkpatrick for most of that second half. Like I said, he had that penalty uh, holding Brown at one point to extend the drive during that last uh, game-winning drive. So he was kind of holding on, like, for dear life because Antonio Brown was, was abusing him. Um, and then that play to, to end it on that play. It's funny. Uh, Kirkpatrick is, is out there wide with Brown. Brown comes in motion inside. And instead of coming with him, Kirkpatrick actually backs up and stays wide because he's anticipating Brown coming from the slot. Now breaking outside, trying to do a corner route, trying to go fly uh, right past him. And that was that's that was the perfect part of it. That was the setup where all right, nope, we're gonna go inside. He's gonna bounce off of this guy inside that's blocking and just zip right past you. And Kirkpatrick never did make it back into the play. He's just kind of still waiting outside. Like, yeah. uh, what happened? What, what, hey, what happened? So, that was a, that was a beautiful uh, part of it. But hey, thing, what happened? The thing is, when it's time to win the game, and this is why you locked up the Steelers, Pittsburgh always yep. takes it over Cincinnati because they are the better team and a better franchise. Yeah, exactly. The game that I wasn't even sure. Like, I didn't lock this one up, and then I looked back and was like, oh, wait, uh, yes, I did. So Yes, you did. Apparently, Burfecht told Juju Smith-Schuster after he gives that dirty elbow to Brown, apparently he told Juju, you're next. Oh. Um, uh, Mike Florio on Pro Football Talk wrote a, 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 a column that says, basically just comes right out and says, the NFL needs to kick Vontez Burford out of the league. Because at this point, how many more things does he have to do to prove to you that he doesn't belong in football? Like, he is so dirty that he needs to just be eradicated from the league altogether. The type of stuff that he does reminds you, of course, of the old days, of you know, the Butkus and the uh, – yeah. Spitting, he's playing buddy uh, ball. Linebackers that would be snorting and ripping and bleeding yeah. and ready to, to murder somebody. And those days are past. I know we kind of romanticize those days and, and wish we could go back sometimes to the days when the football players are even more Neanderthal than they are now. But no, those you can't have that anymore. It's it's a different time. It's a different era. And Burfecht is would be perfect back in that era. He'd be great in 1971. But in 2018, someone like him that clearly, clearly wants to take a cheap shot all the time and wants to hurt and injure people with those cheap shots, um, yeah. I think I agree with Florio. that Somebody like that, there's no room for him in the league. Is he turning into the Manny Machado of football? Well, or Manny Machado is turning into Devontae's Burfield of baseball, one of the two. <laughs> I 
little little baseball reference. No, that's why I said Buddy Ball, right? You know, a little Buddy Ryan reference there. He, he would have yeah. fit right in on those uh, Buddy Ryan Eagles teams. Even the Greg Williams defenses the last decade or so with yeah, the, the bounty game. Out there. Yeah, yeah, the bounty game. Be, be, yeah, I could see him out there jacking up Brett Favre in the in the title game, right? Putting the bounty out there because I believe that was the bounty game, wasn't it? I believe so. The, the, the game where they just you know decided they were going to play human pinball with Brett Favre's head. Yeah, yeah, he'd be, they won, he'd be looking for the bounty every uh, I game. I believe they won the game. They sure did. So there's no room for that either, but but they did win. So yeah, very newsworthy week of football. I still don't know if that if you really get any sense of oh yeah, I know exactly who's real good and who's real bad. We know the two top teams are still the Chiefs and the Rams. But yeah, boy, after that, it's like I, I'm still not completely sold on some of these other teams behind them. No, it's still still a lot of a lot of things kind of up in the air. I mean, you know, we 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 knew the Bears weren't just going to run away with the NFC North. Um, you know, your lock. The the Niners gave the Packers their run for their money. They couldn't win. You had the win, but my God. Is that Packers defense atrocious? Absolutely atrocious. They get up seventeen to seven in that game, and I'm thinking, oh, okay, they're just going to put these guys. They're going to get this thing on cruise control, and you see again, a the the Packer DBs get completely lost and get split by a guy on that skinny post. That is the exact they they basically the 49ers ran the exact same play that Kirk Cousins threw over the top to Stephon Diggs when I was watching that in Minnesota, like, how do you, you know, how do you let this guy get so behind you? And it basically just became CJ Beathard drop back through the ball as far as he possibly could and let the receiver run underneath it and grab it. And those Packer defenders are just too slow. and look like they didn't know who had who, or, you know, like, Oh, you know, expect somebody to be over the top and somebody underneath it and said, they're both underneath that. That's not going to win you many games. That Packers defense. <laughs> That Packers defense is trash. <laughs> and we knew that. Well, I knew that. That's why I looked up the Niners. Yeah, but to get ex- they just got exploited by San Francisco in that game, and they were lucky to escape that game. Uh, n- nice little make-good game, though, from uh, Mason Crosby, though, I guess. Like, if you're going to take anything away from that after he has the, uh, the four missed field goals, he kicks four for four. Uh, makes all his extra points. Uh, he had himself a hell of a day after basically having a day that got would have gotten most kickers cut. Right. You definitely slag on him and talk down about him when he had such a shitty day last week. So talk him up and give him his props this week. He yeah. came through when they needed him the most. So good on Mason Crosby. Yeah, but C.J. CJ Beathard, though, I mean, he only completed 16 balls he threw for 245 yards. <laughs> That's so, what I call a nice average. Economical. Nice average per throw. It was, it was, it was economical. Uh, he didn't need to throw it often, but when he did, they did a ton of damage. So and, I said uh, I would I would stop using the dun-dun-dun for C.J. Beathard if he pulled <sighs> off my lock pick for me, and that's exactly what he did. Yeah. So He pulled off – well, they, yeah, they covered – they couldn't win. I know you were pulling for them to win there, though, right? If you're going to – sometimes I you get they these could teams win, that are yeah. – 
sometimes you get these teams though they're the big underdog it's like damn it just just win because you know legitimize my pick even more right go out there and win there for me but you know no, obviously that was once they came back all the way from being uh from being down 17-7 and actually ended up having the lead late in that game, very late in that game, that uh, you kind of like, oh, man, they weren't just going to get you this cover and uh, give us both our lock wins for the week. They were also going to give you a straight-up win that you had called, but the LS, it was not to be. Aaron Rodgers uh, pulled some Aaron Rodgers shit again. That's what I was going to say, is they very easily <laughs> could have won the game if the other quarterback wasn't Aaron fucking Rodgers. My goodness. Yeah. Four twenty-five. Um, you know, but Beathard and Kyle Shanahan, they they took what Green Bay gave them, which is a lot. Um, yeah, mixed in with some some awful run D too. They had it all going though, because Raheem Mostert was just running through these huge gaps out there, and I'm like, who the hell is this guy? Um, and Beathard had some big scrambles on third down, and I think that played a big part too. It's just attitude and, and mm-hmm. what what uh, John Gruden would call moxie. He's got moxie. He leads he the league in cuts. He does. Better had some runs where he could have turtled and slid at the end, but he needed the extra yard. He just stuck his head right in there. And he said, I don't give a fuck. I'm here. I'm the backup. Nobody cares. I, I respect the hell out of that, man, uh, from a backup quarterback position because there's nothing to lose if you're the backup. Uh, prized starter, you know, uh, if, if Janine Garofalo does that, not so much. I don't respect it so much because that's kind of what got him hurt, and that's why he's yeah. not there anymore. He but dove into a guy pile going of four guys. Right. But but backup guy, yeah, I, that's that's good. That's, I respect that because you got nothing else uh, to play for, really. Uh, yeah, they would have won if Aaron Rodgers wasn't awesome and Devontae Adams wasn't up to the challenge, but they stepped up when they needed to, so credit to them. But it looks like San Fran is going to compete and still be a tough opponent, even with C.J. Beathard in there uh, yeah, instead of uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. San Francisco is going to kind of fall into this kind of sneaky bad category now, meaning they're going to be bad. They're going to lose a lot of games, but they'll sneak up and they'll get somebody here. Um, kind of like I said, Atlanta is going to do here for the run of the rest of their season. They, damn it, they tried to lose that thing again. How close did they come to blowing that game to Tampa in just all-time epic fashion on that last play, on that last sequence? Yeah. That was I mean, going to be yeah. unbelievable. Deshaun Jackson is standing there waiting for the last pitch, and there's nobody left to stop him, and he can't yeah. handle it. He, he fumbles it away. Oh, yeah, that, that would have been epic. Yeah, it would have been. I mean, that would have been a crazy race for those last five or six yards because there were some Falcon dudes sort of bearing down, but you had the feeling like if he caught it, he was in. I think he would have gotten in, and, and, and he wouldn't have gotten in by much, yeah. but he would have gotten in. And yeah, you almost have Atlanta, but again, another another team. I mean, it just took them down to the wire at home. Uh, the last two times this happened, they lost on not plays like that, but they lost last second type stuff. And it was about to happen again here when they had to settle for that field goal, and they were only up five. And it was like, oh, you know, you're like, oh, here I'm sure all the Falcons fans, everybody in the stadium, everybody's like, oh, here we go. But they 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 hung on, they they clung to it. And, you know, they're they're not dead, but they are on major life support. But they're going to be, again, they're going to be one of these, I, I hate to say it, but San Francisco, Atlanta are going to kind of be these, the sneaky bad teams. They're going to they're gonna try really hard. They're probably going to lose, but they'll make you work for it. 
is the kind of the feeling that I get from those two teams for the rest of the year. Because that Atlanta offense, you know, unfortunately the defense is what's letting them down because outside of that first game against uh, Philly, Atlanta's offense has been as advertised. Right. And, and they're, they're bringing so, it offensively, no doubt. Especially at home. I mean, they're, they're putting up some really good offensive numbers. Uh, you know, Matt Ryan's not doing what he was doing that, that Super Bowl run year, but uh, again, here's another game where he had no defense, this Atlanta Tampa yeah. game, but Atlanta, hang on, it's two bad teams. Atlanta hung on, though, but I mean, I just wanted to point out the fact that, uh, they, damn it, they almost did it again. They almost, <laughs> they almost found. Did it again. They almost found a way to lose. Like they, you know, they were you know, like bad teams will often do. They'll manufacture ways to lose. We we saw the Browns do this all last year, like losing in the like it wasn't just enough to lose and lose in the soul crushing way. It was a, it was finding new soul crushing ways to lose games. <laughs> Atlanta had lost that one that way for what would have been their what, third straight home loss, like in the last minute or overtime. If they would have lost on that. On a on a gimmicky pitch back, you know, Music City Miracle type play, that would have been something. Here's a new quick game we can play called Kinda Nice or Kinda Shitty. Which one does this fit into the category of? You're no. Dirk Cutter, and you allow Mike Smith, the defensive coordinator, who's got the league worst pass defense by a mile, and it doesn't improve at all after playing against Matt Ryan. You allow him to come to his old home where he used to be the head coach yeah. in Atlanta. Uh, you allow him to come there before you fire him. <laughs> Is that kind of nice? Like, like he, lets, he lets his old or... team give him a send-off. That's, that's... <laughs> kind of nice or kind of shitty to, you know, to wait until after that game to, to, to ax his ass. Well, Atlanta put up – I mean, Atlanta put up some huge – but did you expect them to? Yeah. You know know what you've got. I mean, these teams that have bad defenses, I don't think it's the coaching that's making Tampa's defense bad. It's they have bad players. Well, but some coaches get into that situation where they either ax the coach now or they get axed. So they're just trying to. I think that there's just that understanding that someone's going to have to sort of fall on the sword, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that, I think that's what happened there. I think Dirk Cutter's desperately trying to save his job. It's not going to work. They're going to can him at the end of the no, year. No, and that's and that's usually though the first sign of a team that you know you start siphoning off your assistants. Eventually, there's no more assistants to blame, and then yes. you're gone. How soon before we get to that moment with uh, with Murga? Because that outfit looks like about the him worst in the ten-year deal. And then, did, and then there were the reports so that he's, he, they're considering trading Amari Cooper. Did you see that one? Oh, brother. Yeah, that was that was like a couple of days ago, a few days ago. All of a sudden, I think it might have even been on Sunday that I heard that fly around that they were entertaining offers uh, here before the trade deadline on Amari Cooper. And I, and I made the comment of, well, yeah, because then they can trade him, and John Gruden will go, you know, it's really hard to find a, <laughs> a world-class wide receiver in this league. God, it's so hard to find a number one receiver, a tall guy, and go up and get balls. Yeah. It's just so difficult. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, no, yeah, the coming. fact that they could only uh, manage to scrounge together three points against the Legion of Room in London, it's not even like this was uh, terrible. Murga. Well, you, Murga's on fire. You were half right. You said crazy weird shit happens in London, and the crazy weird shit is Derek Carr just turned into nothing. 
did you did see any of the highlights? Of that that wasn't, wasn't that Joe Flacco last? Was that oh last year? Oh my God! It might have been last game year. against the Jaguars. He had nothing. He yeah, with the Jaguars, like had like forty in the first half. It felt like. Yeah. <laughs> but this game, the the one highlight I saw of it was uh, one of the many sacks. I don't know if they. I don't think they had eleven like Baltimore did on Tennessee. But yeah, uh, they take. They take Derek Carr down for a sack, and it looks like when he gets up from it, he's like almost in tears. Like he's, oh, he's doing his Luke He was doing his Luke Keekly impersonation. <laughs> I don't know if he had a concussion. I don't know if he was crying because he's like, oh my god, my brain's turning into mush. I don't know <laughs> if he it got was sacked. That. Uh, he got sacked six times. Yeah, and four point six one, yards per attempt for the game. And one of those last against, sacks, he looked really, like he was really bad uh, <laughs> Seattle defense. Uh, maybe they're not as bad as you think. They turn in a couple no, of decent. Bad. <laughs> but yeah, he's uh, he's going through it right now, man. They ran his brother out of the league for getting sacked too much, and it looks like they're trying to do the same to him. He looked like he he needed a hug. Or maybe that's just <laughs> when you play under Murphy, you feel that way. I don't know. Oh man, like yeah, well you know, well they probably would have won it. it was, they'd probably be three and three right now if they had a pass rusher. But you know, those are hard to find. <laughs> Very, I, I keep hearing that. Um, speaking of in tears, Nathan Peterman. <laughs> you know, no. Nathan Peterman got me a really cheap cover. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, he tried to give it away. He gave a one. He gave away one pick six to lose the game, and he that that second yeah. pick could have been ran back if uh, things broke right. That yeah. could have blown the whole thing for you. But he threw. But he threw the touchdown that tied it up. I know. So he did the good thing, but because he's Nathan Peterman, he has to do the absolute worst thing possible. I mean, Nathan Peterman, he's going to try to stay relevant in this league by being awful. He's going to do it by being the one-man Colin Kaepernick defense fund. Like, all you have to do if you're Colin Kaepernick is point to exhibit A, this fucker. Yeah, yeah, as long as Nathan Peterman is taking meaningful snaps, Colin Kaepernick will win his collusion case. No doubt. Like, how can you possibly say that I'm being kept out of the league for, for just cause when this guy keeps getting a job? Come on. Yeah. But more, Much more important than that Buffalo-Houston game is Deshaun Watson continues to get just get brutalized. And Houston's not going to have any success until they fix that. They need there, there's you, you went through this uh, with Russell Wilson the last several years. That yep. They obviously need to fix the offensive line and, and protect their investment if they want to have any success. And, and Seattle has not done that to uh, to a to a satisfactory level. Now Houston hasn't done it, and seven sacks of Watson, twelve times he got hit. Uh, lost three uh, or had three fumbles, lost one of them. Uh, We wonder why he hasn't done what he did last year and hasn't played up to those uh, expectations because he doesn't have any time. He's he's getting getting his ass kicked back there. And part of it is on him too. He's had some situations where he could have checked down, but he's looks, keeps looking downfield trying to make the big play. He needs to learn to, you know, take what's offered to you, take what's given. You don't have to always just hold it and hold it and look for the, for the big home run. But that's a, that's a bad habit. He seems to have gotten into now is holding the ball way too long, uh, looking for something humongous instead of just taking what's there. And it's not going to go well for the Texans. If he keeps that up. 
No, and by virtue of the the Jaguars shit in the bed completely against the Cowboys and the Titans Ooh. getting shut out at home, you are now sitting in an AFC South. That's exactly what I said it would be. Everybody's sitting there at three and three. Well, we don't care about the Colts. Uh, the three teams that matter in that division can't separate from each other. Tennessee has had probably the most opportunity here with Jacksonville losing the last two weeks to t- sort of take control in that division, and they can't do it. So the, the Jaguars lose two in a row, and Titans can't do anything with it. And then, no, none of those teams want to deal with any kind of prosperity. So Houston somehow at three and three, if they can get their act together, could become relevant here again. So that division's going to be that's going to be a race. And it shouldn't be. Jacksonville should be running away with this thing. Yeah, they should. Houston could be in that if they can protect their quarterback. Jacksonville should be right there, but their quarterback is so erratic and inconsistent. Tennessee, and they're losing ugly. Uh, now they they were winning ugly. Now they're no, losing they were, ugly. Yeah, that was that was about as ugly as you can lose. Eleven sacks for Marcus Mariota yeah. versus ten completions. He he took more sacks than he completed yeah. passes on Sunday. It's a very short list of quarterbacks that that's ever happened to. Man, uh, and in, in this in today's game in this day and age to get shut out the way the league wants offense so much yeah. the way they bend and bend manipulate the rules to make offense happen and you can't score a single point nine possessions nine punts that's hard (laughs) that is really bad uh 162 yards of gross offense for the titans take away 66 yards for sack yardage that they lost uh it was about as bad as you can get now i guess what that of course asks begs the question of is, is is winning ugly that bad, or was that the Baltimore Ravens defense? Uh, is that really a a, a a a unit that we really need to look at it and, and examine now as, as maybe one yeah, of the best in the league? The story in this game that nobody's going to talk about, but I will talk about here for a minute. Even though Baltimore won the game twenty-one to nothing, Tennessee's defense played pretty good. I mean, t- Tennessee they, they did not usually do. Yeah, Tennessee's defense doesn't go out and get so someone's going to look at this game and go oh they got the Tennessee got blown out yes but it was the offensive ineptitude and the defense of the Ravens it it wasn't the fact that the Titans were just letting the the Ravens have their way with them offensively the whole game I mean the the, the Joe Flacco did not have a great game Uh, they didn't run terribly successfully Um, nobody really was the other that Lamar Jackson had the one had the long gainer for them, you know, and he's doing the little wildcat mm-hmm. thing. That was about it. So it, so the Titans' problem was clearly protection or or Baltimore defense that realized that they didn't need to be scared of Marcus Mariota. Go, just go get him. Yeah, that's so, what the thing is. Mariota is such a weapon yeah. with his legs, and yeah. you can get caught up trying to be too conservative and not going after him because you're afraid of him beating you. And the Ravens weren't afraid at all. They just sent so many guys after him that he didn't have a chance to escape. He didn't really have any, any avenues at all. This was not uh, Deshaun Watson holding on to the ball too long. Most of the time, this was, they're coming to sit on your head and there's nothing you can do about it. So, right. So a better quarterback, a more experienced quarterback uh, reacts to this, gets the ball out of there quick and probably, 
makes them pay. This is, this is Marcus Mariota is not that guy. He's not going to go no. out there. He's not going to make you pay with his arm. He's just not. And he doesn't so, have the weapons to make you I'll pay. I'm very interested. Now, a lot of teams cannot bring the heat the way that the Ravens can. Some of the teams can try. But I'll be interested to see if more teams just go, shit. I mean, we're going to run right at these guys. I mean, the running game couldn't get it going either for the for the Titans. So, clearly, it was it was sort of like a run. You know, it wasn't the, you know, they have the run, the RPO. So this was like the RPB. This was the run pass blitz. We're just going to blitz to stop everything, and it worked the whole game. Yep. If you run, we're going to take them down, and if you pass, we're going to come yep. try to. If you're running, your well, you're running at a guy who's blitzing. I mean, they. I mean, there. I guarantee you, they probably pulled up the all twenty twos and, and and looked at this game, and there were probably dudes just running free through that Baltimore secondary, where Marcus Mariota is on his ass. <laughs> You love this uh, stat I heard on uh, the ESPN primetime show. The last team to start a season, which the Ravens have now done, not allowing a second half touchdown in the first six games of the year. That's a that's a real nice stat that the Ravens okay. had. That apparently that defense is for real. The last time that happened, the Detroit Lions in 1934. Quite a while ago. Wow. So the Ravens okay. are not just pretty good. They're like trying to be historically good. And I don't know if that's going to keep up, but they're doing a lot more than I, than I thought they would. You got to really keep an eye on the Ravens uh, as, as one of the top defenses. Top defenses. Yes. My worry about them is always going to end up being that offense, especially as we get into, you know, clutch time. But if they stay relevant and they make a playoff push, you're going to end up with the, you know, immovable force and the <laughs> immovable object kind of going up against each other, right? The irresistible force and the immovable object, we're going to have that. So you're going to have one of these great defenses play against one of these great offenses. It'll be real interesting to see how that plays out. I believe we have that coming up in week seven. Baltimore, after this great success, have to host the Saints. That's gonna. That, I don't think it's gonna. Yeah. I don't think they're gonna get eleven yeah. sacks uh, on the on the Saints on Drew Brees. <laughs> Saints coming off a bye. Yeah, I'm gonna guess. Just go out on a limb here and say that it's not just gonna be like nine guys in the box that whole game. No, I think they're gonna have to have some different uh, schemes yeah, Drew defensively. Brees, <laughs> Drew Brees and the company will be able to like adjust and react to that. Yeah. All right, if you've listened uh, this long for 51 minutes, we thank you very much. If you want to listen to the show as a podcast after we go off the air live, we will be continuing on a little while longer. You can always subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, iTunes. Just search for a much less detailed podcast. We should be right there. There's any number of podcasting websites and apps that you can also find our show on. That includes TuneIn and MixCloud. We're very proud to be on those sites. Just search for In Much Less Detail, the podcast, and sign up. If you want to communicate with the show, you can always shoot us an email. Send that to InMuchLessDetail at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter at IMLDDre. Jason is at IMLDJTG. Our football picks are always up on our blog site. The blog is InMuchLessDetail.blogspot.com. And if you're listening to this as a podcast and you want to know where to listen live, blogtalkradio.com slash in much less detail. That's the website to listen to this show live. Tell everyone you know about it, whether it's to tell them about the quality football breakdown that you hear or to laugh at how stupid we sound. Either way, 
We just want you to listen. Doesn't matter. We we actually try to do both at the same time. We try to sound smart and try to give you something uh, informative while also sounding like idiots. We 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 do try to do both there. Yeah, because we're actually trying to have fun with this. You know, we're not we're not we're not paid, right? We're not paid by the. You know, the, the NFL isn't broadcasting on our network, so we have to try to, you know, put lipstick on a pig every week and try to tell you how the Cleveland Browns are going to go to the playoffs. We definitely do not try to shine up anyone's apple. We do not try to no. talk about no. anything that we don't want to talk about, and we do not try to, to give glory or praise to anything that we don't yeah. actually believe. That's exactly. definitely not and our style. This is exactly why you're getting zero breakdown of Jets-Colts, this is oh. why you're going to zero. We don't really need to say anything about L.A. Denver because that was we pretty much knew how that was going to go. Denver kept it close, but they couldn't win. Uh, we're not going to get a whole lot of me lamenting the fact that I really wanted to pick the Redskins and my dumbass didn't because I couldn't <laughs> find a reason to. How about they won the game? That would have been a good reason. Well, if we were, were cheaper than the... shit, half point cover Arizona Minnesota. We're not going to talk about any ah. of those. <laughs> this is not that kind of show where we don't we don't need to break down uninteresting, uninformative type games. Well, just quickly to hit Minnesota. Oh, just did I step on it? Did I step in it again? No, just to be steer clear of those big spreads with the Vikings. Now that's that's the Buffalo game where they lost straight yep. up. There's this one. Well, this that they, was, come on, this is ten and a half, and they gave up a garbage type touchdown. Be steer clear of the big spreads. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> when you see over I'm just saying 10, they had the thing in hand. And, yeah, they give, they give up the late touchdown that means absolutely nothing. You knew Arizona wasn't going to come in. They weren't going to win the game. They did absolutely nothing. Um, but, but Minnesota, again, they're just unimpressive. The teams that they should be just putting away, they're not putting away. The 49ers right. hung tough. Buffalo beat them. You take and your Arizona with, got Arizona lost by ten, but hey, yeah, well, they were getting ten and a half, so it's when, cover. When you take your ticket with minus ten and a half to your bookie and say, "Well, they clearly outplayed them and they clearly dominated yeah. them," so well, they, this it. should count anyway. No, that that, that yeah. doesn't work. Doesn't work that way. That's all. Just be careful. That's that's all about that. I'm, uh, I'm just gonna say, I just I, I worry for the long term health of this team because again. I'm just I'm just not on this Kirk Cousins thing. This is why I, I couldn't take them to go to the Super Bowl. I think they make an unceremonious exit from the playoffs. He's not that guy. He's just not the guy who's going to take you to the promised land. He's a guy that's got a connection with Adam Thielen, that's for sure. That's uh first receiver in oh, history and, and with he's had six three hundred yard games. He clearly, he clearly knows he has weapons. Do we just do we just trust the Vikings to be smart enough and Kirk Cousins to keep that thing afloat and not make the big mistake? I, I don't know. I, I still don't trust them. I understand. Six straight games to start the season, I should say, with 100 yards receiving yeah. from Thielen. No, and, and that division is totally up in the air right now. Uh, we mentioned briefly Jacksonville. That's two stumbles for the, the oh, Jacksonville D two weeks in a row. That was a stumble? That was well, a nosedive into the Grand Canyon, what they did. I, I, I agree, and the thing, the funniest part about that to me is that when both Zeke and Dak, when Ezekiel Elliott and now Dak Prescott are going to go yeah. run behind that offensive line, who the fuck's stopping that? But that's how it's always yeah. been. 
but because their coach says shit for brains and their GM slash owner has shit for brains, they don't play like that all the time. They try to make like Dak Prescott is an NFL quarterback and he's not an NFL quarterback either. Uh, but when you can actually run behind that line and do what you can do on the ground, no one's going to mess with that. No one can possibly stop that. But right. the, so the Cowboys aren't going to ever figure that out because they're, they're, they're too no, proud. Dan, they too much Dan pride. Prescott is clearly a bottom half of the league's starter, right? I mean, if you take all the starters in the NFL, he, he can't be any higher than 20, 21. But he's behind the best offensive line in football. Mm-hmm. And you're getting only that. You're getting mediocre production from a quarterback who could pretty much just stand there all day and, and, and hand off and have giant holes run whenever he wants through giant holes. And, and you could barely get not even league average passing stats from this guy. So he's clearly not the answer. In this game, he was good. He was good enough. I mean, just, Jacksonville just did not have it. No, Blake it was, uh, Oh God. He's, he's Blake Bortles folks. Yeah. Nothing you can say he about could that. He could, Blake Bortles might turn around this week and throw four touchdowns. Yeah, he absolutely could. And it's looking like, uh, I don't know if Case Keenum is on his way out already in Denver. I, I think that honeymoon is already over. It was a fluke. That whole thing last year with him in Minnesota, that right. was lightning in a bottle. It, 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 we knew that what, he wasn't that guy. That's my new, my, my new saying that he's not that guy. <laughs> Case Keenum isn't going to be what they, you know, he, he, Case Keenum is who we thought he is. All right, Dennis Green. Uh, he gave us a garbage time touchdown, so we got that. We'll, we'll take that one. We'll, we'll take the cover, but yeah. he is—he is not the answer. They're—they're they're brutally bad right now. So, with that in mind, with Vance Joseph's uh, seating warmer and warmer in Denver, now they have to go on the road on a short week. They go to Arizona for Thursday night football tomorrow night, and this one is—is is not exactly a glorious. Uh, this is again. If we were working for NFL Network, we'd have to find a way to polish well, this apple and make it seem and like they something will. it's not. They'll, they'll, they'll try. But but here's what it actually is: Denver's two and four, zero and two on the road. Arizona's one and five, zero and three at home. And both teams are missing starters off their offensive line, so uh, probably going to have a lot of sags going both ways. But either way, uh, Arizona with the the kid uh, quarterback, the rookie Josh Rosen. Uh, the public doesn't trust him. They'll trust the veteran Case Keenum a little more. Denver is actually a one-point favorite on the road on the short week at Arizona. Jason, who you got? I'm going to hold my nose all the way either way on this game. I mean, do you, can, you, can you really love either one of these teams? I'm going to actually take the Cardinals here, and not because of the home team on Thursday night factor. I'm going to take the Cardinals here because I think sometimes that really bad team that gets the the primetime shine – sort of steps up a little bit more. I think they're going to be a little bit more game because this is going to be their moment. This is going to be Josh Rosen's a little bit more. His moment of prime time game is a big deal when you're a shitty team. So I think the Cardinals rise up to the occasion and win a really bad game. Yeah, we've seen that before. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and take the Broncos. Uh, I, I think they're what they're doing terribly right now, the quarterback play is okay. Uh, what they're doing the worst is run defense, just getting gashed on the ground. And Arizona can't run right now. I don't know what's going on, 
with, with Johnson, David Johnson. He's he's terrible. There's that's it's going to actually be the worst versus the worst. It's the worst run offense in the league versus the the worst run defense. And I think Denver actually gets a chance to hold a running back down and feel good about themselves and, and use that to springboard. And now into our VIP after show program. Yeah, it's it's ugly either way. I agree with you definitely about the the holding your nose on either side of that pick because I, I don't love the Broncos or the the Cardinals, but I guess I love the the, the I love the Cardinals a lot less. I, I guess. Yeah, it's the I'm not that excited about this one. Denver's uh, Denver's lost a bunch of games in a row. The Cardinals stink. I mean, can can you really can you like either side of this one? I mean, this is I'm gonna guess there's not a lot of action on this game um, on the betting side. I mean, like for the actual professional betters, who wants to touch this game unless somebody's got some inside knowledge. The degenerates. It's only the for the true degenerates. degenerates. But these are, yeah. This is this is a rough matchup. This is but this is what we expect out of Thursday night football. Yeah, not the the good matchups, not the Rams no. and the Vikings. This is normal right. Thursday night fare. Yeah, this is what we've gotten used to over the years. So now it's good to know that Fox got their their really good send off for Thursday football, and, and we get to go back to this. Ugh. This. Just wait two uh, weeks. You're gonna love the the two weeks from now. Yeah. Can we flex out of Thursday nights? <laughs> because two weeks from now, week because the week eight matchup's not terrible. It's a sneaky good game. Um, Raiders. I'm uh, not Raiders. Uh, Dolphins. Texans. That's not bad. Uh, it's it's, it's not, two it's teams not bad. currently I... not with losing records. Week nine, we get the Battle of the Bay. Okay. We get Raiders Niners in week nine. Oh, that battle of the Bay. I was hoping you meant Tampa Bay and Green Bay, but no. No, that's the Bay. That was a Bay of Pigs. No. no. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Carolina Pittsburgh. There's there's some respectable Thursday night games, and then we get that one. Packers Seahawks. That's got you know. That's not a terrible game. Uh, Then we have Thanksgiving. They're up. You know. Interesting. Well, they, um, they always make that point, Thursday night around Thanksgiving interesting. But I want to point this out, yeah, because on Thursday, yeah, Thanksgiving, we actually get uh, Bears, Lions, Redskins, Cowboys, and then the nightcap on Thanksgiving is Falcons, Saints. Oh, they see they they know they they already know that's that's the epitome of the NFL. What they when they have Falcons, Saints, that's what they want everyone to see. Because that's another one the over under figured it out. But they figured it out because no, the Falcon Saints used to just be buried in that noon slot. So it's it's good to right. know that, that little late to the party here because the Falcons' defense is trash. That that could have been a marquee game, and I'm sure it'll have a ton of offense. That's um, all they care about. That, that is all they care about. The so that'll be everybody will be sitting there down. all stuffed from there. There'll be one one eye on the game, the other eye ordering shit on Amazon on their cell phones. <laughs> I'll Which be in the, become, in the car with my wife on the way home from, from her uncle's, I already know. That, that's become sort of the Thanksgiving thing for me. I remember last year, woke up on Thursday on Thanksgiving morning, and first thing I did was pull out the phone and start scanning the the Black Friday deals, because there's no Black Friday anymore. 
There's right. no reason to get up and go stand your ass out in the cold at two o'clock in the morning. You can just either go buy it on Thanksgiving now because nobody gives a shit about the holiday, or you just order it on your phone, and then you don't there's have to go re- and stand in line at two o'clock in the morning and freeze off your ass. Which is one reason like to stand out there. To get no, killed. One reason to stand uh, well, similar, yeah. I, I was thinking to get in training. If you're a prize fighter and you need some real street training, <laughs> you want to stand in line. Some, yeah, I'm gonna go box some dudes for some uh, dollar bath towels. Especially the women. The women apparently just get as yeah. as violent as it as it gets over over yeah. those microwaves. I mean, that's actually another rite of passage on. Uh, Thanksgiving is to before I go to bed on Thanksgiving night, there's already plenty of videos up online of angry mobs beating each other up for $29 DVD players. This in the inner city of Houston, Texas, two women absolutely blood sport yeah. to the death in the street over kitchenware. Film at 11. Oh, you know, and there's people who's like, they, 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 they get ready for that shopping experience. Like they're going to war. Mm-hmm. That's what that's that's what I'm, what I have in mind is when I think about the people that are out there. It's really people who just want to fight somebody. That's pretty much yeah. It's like the now. purge. That's where we're going to here. <laughs> <laughs> One night a year we get to fight in the street yeah. with no rules. <laughs> From now on, it will be Black Friday. <laughs> it's already got a cool name. Yeah. You know. Although it's Doesn't not named the... that. Yeah, I was about to say ninety percent of the people don't realize that that's not why it's an economical term. But people don't get that. Yeah, you and I uh-huh. get that. Yes. Not, you know, I don't think you and I fall into the, you know, the the, the masses on this one. <laughs> it's not saying we're better race, than though. anybody, but you, you know, in oh, this I case am. we I'm are. Yeah, we're way better in this case. We actually things. know that there is a a actual sales retail economical thing that's called Black Friday. It's not racist, people. We would have had to have changed uh, it. No, so uh, yeah, uh, week seven is looking. Uh, it's got some some interesting style clashes on there. When the when you talk about Titans versus Chargers, when you talk about the Patriots now have to yep. come to the Bears uh, and see if they can follow up that Sunday nighter uh, by, by taking on the defense that should have a much better day than they had against Trubisky, except they're facing Tom Brady now. So uh, not Trubisky, but Osweiler. So you, you think yeah. you, you, you think you'd bounce back if you're a defense from Osweiler, but going from Osweiler to Brady uh, is—I gotta admit I'm a little worried about that because if you give up 380 to Osweiler, I don't know what the hell Brady might do to you. Yeah. Well, this could also be the game that just ends Tom Brady's career. That would work. That would work fine for me. Khalil, Khalil Mack gets Mack. around the corner and Khalil just Mack, yeah. Apparently, they have more him. than just Khalil Mack. They got a few guys. No, I, got, I understand. You know they got but, but they got was, some mean dudes who just didn't show up against the Dolphins. So, but Mac was a guy that was trying to be like the league MVP the way he was playing, like a, a, yeah. a sack and a fumble in in each of his first four games or something like that. That's 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 Lawrence Taylor type shit, man. He was he was yeah. trying to really prove a point. No, some 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 really good games on the on the schedule this week. Yeah, you mentioned Tennessee, uh, LA is kind of a sneaky good matchup. I mean Cincinnati, KC, that's that's highlight territory. That's a prime time game. I mean, Houston Jacksonville is suddenly relevant, right? Three and oh, three, yeah. uh, playing for control of the division. I mean, you would, you know, we, we don't know what's going to happen. Tennessee going to the chargers. You'd assume the chargers are going to be a decent favorite there. And they are, 
Um, but you know, we know the Titans are generally, you know, they win and ugly. You know, and Carolina course, Philly, uh, Carolina Philly is, you know, there's there's a lot of games that are like I said, there's some and New Orleans Baltimore. So we we yeah, actually got a lot of good ones on the on the maybe we're gonna get, we're gonna cut some games out from highlight stats. Then usually it's funny because people don't listen to the show don't know is these highlight games that we don't do as highlight sh- games we always end up talking about them like highlight games in the after show. Right, we break them down pretty yeah. Uh, yeah. because that's what we're compelled to break down. Again, we're not doing to polish. The Apple, and we're not going to talk about what what is not interesting and what we don't want to talk about. If it's compelling and interesting, yeah. we'll get around to it. We'll cover it in. Yeah, pretty, we're not we're not giving you seven depth. to nine minutes on Giants Falcons. No, Dallas and Washington is going to get all the talk this week because it's NFC East, and it's it's always so important. So I don't what, even what think that regist- does that game do even register for either one of us. Not to me. I don't. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, I. I Really, I looked up and down the schedule. I have no, I don't, I don't care about that game at all. I don't care about Browns, Bucks. I don't care about Vikings, Jets, Bills, Colts. There's a lot of bad games on the schedule this week too. Right, but Dallas and Washington is going to get talked about so much because it's, it's yeah. NFC East. So interesting thing this week we have to talk about. I'm. Guessing, I'm guessing our Halloween show will be the Week Eight show. Uh, the reason I'm saying that is because Halloween is on a Wednesday this year. Right, I, I did notice that. So I would assume we would do it on the Week Eight show because that's actually still in October. It doesn't feel right doing the Halloween show in. <laughs> it definitely does not feel right to do the Halloween show after Halloween has passed. Yes. Right. So the Week Eight show we would be looking at and people who don't realize people don't listen to this show that is the spooky uh show and that's that, that's also a, 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 us giving sort of like the proper send-off to teams that we do we're just not going to talk to uh, or talk about for the rest of the year like that they're like i'm already looking at you colts raiders you know oh, niners cards niners cards colts raiders right there i mean that's spooky I think those are already like shoe ins considering right now at this point of the season, those two teams have four combined wins. <laughs> those four teams have four combined wins, one each, but we do not have a winless team. We do not have a winless team. Yeah, we well, only have we one the, undefeated team left and we don't have any winless teams. Yeah. One undefeated and no winless teams. So, so That's that this, parody this is, Tag, this is Paul Tagliabue's dream right here, isn't it? That parody. Because every team thing. around Paul 500. Take claim for this. this was all Tagliabue with this with this parody. And he maybe even Pete Rozelle a little bit. That's, that's going back in the day. But um, the, how's, he still, how's he doing? <laughs> I don't know. Ask Joe Carter. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, poor Joe. <laughs> Never lived that down. I, so, does, that's almost one of those moments that could get into both halls of infamy, right? Because <laughs> that was a baseball oh. announcer interviewing Jim McMahon, who was a football player. It was just a perfect little moment. Asking Jim McMahon about Pete Rozelle. 
who uh, McMahon famously feuded with. He used to have some battles with with, with Pete Rozelle. Oh, by the way, how's he doing? (laughs) I don't know. He's been dead for quite some time. (laughs) (sighs) That is one of the greatest moments in, like, bad interviewing history, though, isn't it? Well, how about Coward Cosell? How's he doing? No, he did not follow up by asking me. Although he might as well have. Yeah, Jim McMahon is uh, by himself is is certainly a candidate for the Hall of Infamy because he's there's oh, he's yeah, never he been anywhere near the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he certainly did enough. Yeah, I, I, I try not to put every single member of the '85 Bears in the Hall of Infamy, but I've got quite a few <laughs> in there already. You know, it's kind of hard, right? It's near and dear. You, I think you actually said that you were going to well, try to in, induct almost a, a, an '85 Bear almost, <laughs> almost every year. <laughs> Not on purpose, but that's what it's turned yeah. out to, to, to be, yeah. But, that, but, again, that team, come on, of all teams, maybe that's the one that deserves to have so many people inducted because that was one infamous-ass team for all no, yeah, and again, the field reasons. I'm not a Bears fan, but I love the 85 Bears. I mean, we grew up with, you know, that was sort of that. the – I wasn't a Bears fan. But that was the that was sort of like for us just you know being nine years old right you know with that not really knowing a lot but you you knew that like you, we all knew growing up that something there was something going on right something was different. Oh yeah, I, and I remember watching those games. I remember watching. I remember my uh, my mom. That would have been my. I want to say. I think she. I think that was her second husband. But I remember the big deal it was. Let, they let us. They let me stay up. We actually stayed up and watched the game that they lost to the Dolphins on Monday Night Football. Oh, yeah, that was a huge deal to me too. I was at my uncle's house. Yeah, I'm spending. I spent the night at my uncle's house uh, to watch that game. So it was a huge deal yeah. for me too. And I believe my reaction to it afterwards was, um, I hate the Dolphins. I want them all to die. Oh, and my I uncle didn't go quite that far. <laughs> and my uncle was trying to explain to me, it's not that serious. It's, I understand you're hurt, but it's not it's not quite that serious. Was, was some some good advice there from your uncle. I, I didn't listen. I still want them to die. You hate them and you want them. Well, you know, I don't think that took any of the specialness away from that team. I mean, obviously it stopped them from being a, a perfect team, but I don't think anybody looks back on the 85 Bears who a lot of people still consider the best or one of the, if not the best uh, Super Bowl team of all time. Well, that's all it took away was the fact that there is still some argument as to whether that was the greatest team of all time. Cause the 72 dolphins can still look and go, ah, no. we didn't lose. Hello over here. You know, so, people, and, people who say that don't know anything about football. I don't think they were better than the 85 Bears, but what do I know? I don't Maybe. think they could. They, they would have had a chance. Yeah, I, I don't think any of these – I wouldn't take any of these Patriots teams over them. I wouldn't take – I mean, the, the other team that people talk about is the big defensive team is going to be, of course, the, the 2000 Ravens. Right, but they didn't have anywhere near the offense that the Bears did. Right, they didn't have the – greatest, if not one of the greatest running backs of all time, and anybody who puts Emmett Smith above Walter Payton doesn't <laughs> know anything about football. 
because all they look at is the numbers and they fall in love with the stats, and that's not what it's all about. That's all all that game took. I mean, there's people, I I don't even have Emmett Smith above Barry Sanders. I don't either. Barry was a motherfucking beast, man. He was was running behind nothing. Compared to what Emmett was running behind, yeah, correct. Uh, not not anywhere near the level of offensive line blocking, but some of the moves Barry made in the open field was just—I've never seen anyone do that before or since. He was another level, just amazing. Yeah, I, I would take him over Emmett, sure. Yeah, so I, I'm not one of these who just because somebody has the title, just because why? Well, you know, nobody when Brett Favre broke the passing record, did anybody go, "Oh, Brett Favre's the greatest quarterback of all time"? No, they did not. And if they yeah. did, they don't know anything about football. <laughs> no, I don't even know anybody up here who thinks Brett Favre is the greatest quarterback of all time. Hmm. I bet I could find a few people if, if they would allow me to walk around up in Green Bay. I bet I could find a few. But not people who know anything about football. <laughs> well, no, but... I mean, that's just, just straight homerism. Sure. At that point, I don't even think he's in the conversation as the greatest, you know, as the GOAT as, at the quarterback position. He was a great quarterback, a deeply flawed great quarterback, but he was a very good quarterback. He's not the greatest quarterback of all time, not even close. <laughs> I mean, you know. It's interesting that uh, with Drew Brees now, the all time leading passer, that it yeah. feels like he's never been in the conversation, and all this time he probably should have been. Drew Brees is a hell of a quarterback. He's a hell of a quarterback. Nobody's ever – well, he doesn't have all the titles, but like people that right. get that's all they one, care about. The, yeah. That's all they care about is, oh, he doesn't have all the titles, but no, he, he has done – and he's done it – well, he's done it quietly. See, he did it with teams that – he did it with the Chargers, so he had to do it out there. Then he did it with the Saints, who up until the point that he arrived in town were a joke franchise. Correct. And Peter King wrote about that in his column this week, too, about uh, when he arrived there. It was like uh, he he needed the Saints because the, the Chargers had kind of cast him off. And the Saints also yeah. needed him because the Saints were just not only were they the football was the football team trash, but of course, the city was coming off of the Hurricane Katrina and all mm-hmm. that. So oh, yeah. it was, no it was sort of perfect timing there. Yeah, the shit that went down in the Superdome, they could make horror stories about. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that, that, I don't even. I don't want to read any more in-depth detail about it. All I know is there were bodies in there. And, and yeah. can you imagine going they, to a football game that they long after in. they were like they weren't dead when they went in there? <laughs> oh, oh my goodness! Can you imagine going to a game right after that? And uh, I wonder how many dead people were sitting in this chair before I'm sitting in it now. Yeah. Just the, oh. like the murder and rape and drug use and the despair. Like this was the only refuge. For all for a lot of these people whose whose homes were just gone, floated away, um, and, and, and yeah, some of the and then just the lawlessness that happened in New Orleans, um, like that mm-hmm. that, well, that there was that was the purge. Seriously, there was no there was no police presence. Everybody had left, so basically everybody who was left behind just had to kind of like fend for themselves, and you had like. Militia patrolling the the uh, the videos of all this stuff of like who had their own little makeshift armies patrolling on the high ground, walking around with like assault rifles and the looters getting shot on sight and yeah, there there's some stuff. If somebody does a deep dive into all the shit that happened during Katrina, that I'm sure would make either like the, the, the most interesting but probably depressing 
thing you could ever read or watch. So it really was like Black Friday. <laughs> it was. It was the purge. Wow. Yeah. Now, if they had, if that had happened, if there was a kiosk with dollar bath towels at the fifty yard line <laughs> in the Superdome, that's when shit would have gotten real. Someone blows a whistle, and you just whoever can get the most, <laughs> it's, it's yours. Complete well, free for all. People who yeah, like never think the zombie apocalypse could happen don't watch these Black Friday videos. Oh my god! Like the masses yeah. just like pounding at the door. You got people like people seriously getting trampled when they open up the the doors. Is that microwave ten dollars? It's mine! Ah! Yeah. Every year, there's some poor old soul who gets trampled and murdered as everybody's rushing to go get the cheap item. I saw it first, bitch. Ah! Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I we talk about this. I know we've talked about this in the past, but you know, I was at Best Buy all those years, and there'd be fist fights in the parking lot. But it generally was a very civilized day. I never thought it would descend into that, what, what, what it's become, where they have the website that you can go to that, that keeps track of how many people die on Black Friday. Did you just describe a scenario where there's fist fights in the parking lot as a relatively civilized day? Very civilized compared to what there is now. Oh, Okay, compared to now, okay, yeah. It's just that, a couple of people sense. just fighting over a parking space. But nobody but died. Nothing like... <laughs> okay. I guess you have a point there. The good old days, when people just used to punch it out in the parking lot. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I <laughs> don't <time>. even... <laughs> you yeah, see, I don't, I'm down here. I don't have family down here in, in Memphis. I... Whatever shopping I do for my wife is, of course, going to be online, so I don't have to deal with any of that. I, I'm not aware of how bad it gets down here, but I'm sure it's just as bad at, at the Walmart here as it is everywhere else. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's awful. It's uh, I think I remember reading a depiction about some uh, scientific calculators were some sort of deep discounted sale, and like some guy got like a broken nose or something. It was it was bad. For it's a TI eighty six. Really? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Oh, so I, I can only imagine how bad it gets. But no, you will never catch me out there for for Black Friday. It's it's a, well, that on entire the weekend. Side, the guy's glasses were probably already taped together. <laughs> that may be true. <laughs> we're we're not trying to discriminate against nerds. We love nerds too. Um, <laughs> no, Who I, gets jacked up for a scientific calculator? <laughs> Who gets gets steamrolled for a fucking microwave? Come on. Or like a Furby or whatever the hot toy is going to be this year or something. The the best are when the two people grab the last one and then the fight starts. That's blood sport right there. That's that's Vontaze Burbank on Antonio Davis right there. It's not always a racial thing because there's there's as many white and black people doing it, but guaranteed the people fighting over the item are going to be fat. Probably and and poor. Yeah, and that's not most of these videos. Good, so. The people who are really fighting over the stuff are really big. And usually, some some fat women. Yes. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, the clothes are gonna get pulled off, and you did stuff you just don't want to see. <laughs> right. 
I, that, that's that's definitely a part of that. You can't get so, like supermodels fighting over this stuff, you know? Oh, no. No. The exposure of women that you don't need to see exposed ever. Like, no yeah. one needs to see that. Yeah, if you jump on the People of Walmart website and imagine those people having fist fights. No, thank you. Wear pajamas. Although I may be on the People of Walmart uh, website <laughs> myself, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't want to be. I figured out the easiest way not to be on the People of Walmart website. Don't go up into Walmart. Don't go to Walmart. Yeah, I generally don't shop at Walmart. So. Yeah. Well, I unfortunately, can, I, shop I do. At Target. You know what the biggest positive of is a Target? I can use the ladies' room. You can use the ladies' room. Just, I don't oh. actually do it, but they couldn't stop me. You can't stop me. <laughs> That's right. Equality for all in the Target right. uh, restrooms. Uh, yeah, it's so late. I didn't. Uh, I didn't follow that at first, but yeah. Oh, I, I got one by you there. Yeah, yeah it's late. <laughs> so, uh, it, it, all right. Let's just get this one out of the way quick. Any thoughts on Wade Miley's start today? <laughs> His five-pitch start, that is on some level about the most ridiculous thing I've seen in baseball. That is just – and the, the announcers are talking about it like uh, framing it in a in sort of an ethical mode of managers are supposed to let the other teams know who they're, who they're starting, what their rotation uh-huh. will be so the managers can kind of set up their lineups throughout the series. Oh, and, okay. So dick move. I, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, you get the – but then – the Dodgers sort of respond. I, I guess they talked to Dave Roberts about it mid-game, and he said, basically, check out our lineup. We kind of set up for it. So, indeed, there's a couple of lefties in the Dodgers lineup. Uh, I guess they anticipated that they were going to from have, game one, see? Right. Because they were talking about Max Muncy was batting fifth and, and playing second base. And that's like, what? That, that's very odd. But – if you don't think Miley's going to be in there, then yeah, you go ahead and leave your lefties uh, in the lineup because yeah. you know they're going to he's going to pull Wade Miley very soon. I don't know if he knew he was going to pull Wade Miley after one hitter. So Dave Roberts is managing his team as if he knows he's coaching against a team whose coach has gone out of his fucking mind. Pretty much. So the the sort of like the surprise appeal now is is gone. Because you know, I don't know if Council's trying to. I don't know what he's doing, but I, I like I said, you know, I, I sent you the thing on Twitter because you sent me something about, hey, what do you think about that? And I, you know, it's like my wife roots for this team. I have a lot of friends and family who root for this team. This this can't succeed. It just can't. It has to fail. Only one hitter starter uh, starting pitcher in the history of the postseason was Johnny Cueto, and he left because he got hurt. That you know, and I didn't see the first at bat. All of a sudden, I know because I was at work, and so the game was on. And believe it or not, somebody actually I was helping somebody in my job, and all of a sudden they're like, "Oh, they're pulling out Miley." And I was like, "What?" And I look over, and I was like, "Okay." I see him going into the dugout, and there's a guy on first, and there's nobody out. And I'm like, "Okay," so he faced one guy, and is he hurt? And no, nope, this is like no. the, this was gamesmanship. It was just a joke. Well, Brandon Woodruff goes however many yeah. innings. He does not get the official start. So, I, he you know, get no the win. He could have gotten the win, but he allowed the tying run in the fifth. Right. 
but they leave him out there basically to do a starter's job, except he wasn't the starter. Which, why couldn't he have just walked to the first (sighs) guy himself? Or pitch to the first guy and compete because they're just supposed to be competing? That's the point of the game, I thought. And you, you watch this, and I just don't know. And then while you're watching the game, as I'm actively watching the game, every time the Dodgers get somebody on base, I'm expecting the pitcher's going to get pulled. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, uh-oh, that, someone got on. Got to gotta yank them. Got to yeah. start playing the matchups. So ultimately, you know, and I, the thing that I kept hearing from, uh, I think it was Smoltz, because Smoltz is calling this series with, with Buck. And, and yeah. Smoltz is saying that what the Brewers are doing won't play out in a seven-game series. He sort of kind of predicted this back in game one, like, this will win you a game, but this won't win you a seven-game series. And, I'm, and you just keep starting to see, like, the Dodgers keep adjusting. They have the 13-inning, five-and-a-half-hour marathon game yesterday. And what do they get today? They get seven innings out of Clayton Kershaw. They got exactly what they needed that the better team should get. Mm-hmm. And the Brewers are out there still trying to bullpen this thing. Well, you're gonna expect someone like Smoltz to say that bullpenning's not gonna work. Well, someone who was yeah. a, an all, you know, an all star starter. Was, but he was, but he was also a closer. He was briefly a closer. That's right. Yeah, so he's been both. He's actually been a reliever and a starter. But no, he does come from an era of baseball. Yeah, uh, you know, especially back with that Braves team where th- this doesn't pass the eye test for anybody. And what the Brewers are doing right now, and uh, they, they're going to need to get some length out of one of their starters in these next two games. Otherwise, they're just going to be the bullpen's going to be toast, and the Dodgers are going to just get one look too many at, at one of these relievers and make them pay. And you started to feel like you got a little bit of that today. Like they yeah, started they did. to figure it out. They changed the approach. They weren't swinging for the fences. They were taking what the Brewers were throwing at them, putting the ball in play, and all of a sudden it was like, oh, they're, they're... – and all of a sudden the next thing you know, they put up five runs without having to hit the three-run homer. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with Smoltz. I'm with everybody who thinks this is a joke and it's, it's some sort of <laughs> – it, it assaults your sensibilities. When you settle in to watch a game and the guy goes five pitches and leaves on purpose, it's like, what are we doing? Why, why? So why was yeah. he out there? What? Yeah, what was can't... the purpose of that? Was it to just try to trick the other team into setting their lineup to go against a lefty? If it was, that's that is a, that is a douche move. That is a dick move. But the Dodgers again seemed like they sort of knew it was coming because they left some lefties yeah. in the lineup as opposed to the first time that Miley started where they had all righties. Uh, but yeah, this is it's cheesy. The only thing I guess I'm saying or I'm concerned about is. If some team comes along and this does work, uh, it looks like it's not going to work for Council. But say some other, say say the Rays make the playoffs somehow next uh, year and they, and they pull this shit and they have Blake Snell start one game and go seven, and every other game is just a mishmash of matchups. Yeah, Blake really- Snell starts two games. The other five games get started by Sergio Romo. Uh, and and say they win that series, it, it, then someone can now say, "Hey, it works." And once yeah. one person does it, it's a copycat league, and here comes somebody else yeah. that wants to try to win that way. So I, the point, I guess, is winning. If you know, like, if I can quote Herm Edwards, you play to win the game. If you, <laughs> you do, if you win that way, 
then you win that way. But until someone actually does win meaningful playoff games that way, it's going to get laughed at and it's going to be joked about and it's going to yeah. look really stupid. So, yeah. Well, yeah, when you're, I, when you're set up in a series where you're going to play against the same team seven times, they may look that they may go home and they may get the Dodgers for these last two games. Do you think this shit's going to work against the Red Sox or the Astros? Oh no, they should get obliterated. But that, that's almost kind of the point is that they, I think council probably thinks they would get obliterated anyway, no matter what they did. So why no. not? <laughs> so now it's just, now it's just more of a mission to just get there. Yeah. And, okay. and that's how the Brewers have, have gotten there to begin with. And look at the Brewers are in the NLCS now. And it's like, okay, well, they, they got there somehow. It doesn't make any sense, but they found a way to get there. So just, just yeah. keep just keeping well, them. Well, the, and the thing was is they played against the Rockies, who – Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Cubs lost to those. I already lamented the fact that the Cubs lost to those guys. They're the least clutch team I've ever seen. And the Dodgers started to feel like they were – you know, like the Brewer pitching just kind of had them stymied. And – you know, maybe had this been only a five-game series, the Brewers could have slapped this bullpen thing together and pulled through, but you just kind of feel like I've felt the momentum in this series slowly shifting away from Milwaukee and towards the Dodgers. Like, the Dodgers are figuring this out. Like, talent is winning out. Starting pitching is winning out. Like, all the things that should win you baseball games, like, all season long and in the playoffs are starting to actually play through. And that and Kershaw was was very good today. A guy who has not had the most stellar postseason track record, uh, he had it on cruise control against the Brewers today. Aiming and, and managing is also winning out. Talent is definitely on the yeah. Dodgers' side, but also the managing and, and Dave Roberts. And I know I had made fun of him when he first got hired. Like, okay, good luck. You, you know, never yeah. managed before at any level, and now you get a team with all these overpaid guys and Yasiel Puig, the head case and all of this. Yeah. Go, good luck with that. Well, he's, he's navigated all of that. He's gotten to one yeah. world series about to get to another one. Uh, but he's clearly got it over Craig council right now, whatever council is, is thinking in his mind, uh, it's not working. It, it's clearly not going the way that he, he thought it would go. Well, you know, and I kind of talked about this on our last show that I thought that Dave Roberts kind of lost the first game for them by, dumping all the lefties into the lineup and then council sort of responded by throwing hater for three innings, which was again, it's own sort of stupid move, but it was enough to win one game. It, it, it was more of a, we got to win. It's like every game they were playing, like it was the game one sixty three almost. And it's like, that's not going to work because you're going to have to pay the price later. And now you don't get the guy for the next game or something's just not going to go the way you think it's going to go. And, I think Roberts sort of got that game back today because he learned from that game one. He wasn't going to get caught in a situation again where the Brewers counter the lefty with the righty and negate the lineup choice. And now he's got to empty the bench and now he's got no bats left for the end of the game and he can't pinch hit anybody. And they really managed themselves into a hole in game one. And like you said today, he left that bat lineup somewhat balanced, just knowing full well, the council's going to pull this shit, mm-hmm. and it and it worked. Yeah. And I would be wouldn't be shocked if we see this with game with game six. They've already announced that Wade Miley is the starter for game six. Oh my god! So they we're going to go through this it, again. They announced it during the game that Wade Miley was most likely the starter for game six. Well, he's well rested. 
Uh, we know that much. <laughs> so, so Dave, I would not expect. I would expect Dave Roberts just roll, just roll with your usual lineup. Roll with what you would expect and just balance the shit out of that lineup and make it hard for Council to manage that bullpen. That's the only counter that you have. Is if you're sitting there lefty righty, lefty righty, or you're, you're you've got some balance to that. You make it really hard for him to try to bullpen these guys for multiple innings because there's going to be a favorable matchup somewhere in your lineup. Not and like game one that, where he left all the lefties in there to just get mowed down by Hader. If you do that and Council decides to leave Miley in because now he's got the matchups that he that he prefers, yeah. then now it's just talent against talent. And can your lefties uh, find a way to hit Wade Miley, which I think they can because Wade Miley is good, but he's, he's not – Great, he's I. Wade Miley. Uh, I mean, yeah, none of those Brewers starters, Julie Chassin or Wade Miley. Chassin, and he, he won great, game three for him. He did. He pitched very well. That was the game that they won pretty easily. They won it easily late. That's the thing with this series too. A lot of late scoring. Yeah, once you get into those bullpens, which you were kind of talking about, guys that they've seen over and over again, they, uh-huh. they kind of know what to do. Yeah, and that now they're seeing those guys all game long because that's all it is, is bullpen, bullpen, bullpen. <laughs> and they saw Wade Miley for an extended period already in one of the games. It'll be interesting. It'll be very interesting. I, I wouldn't be shocked if this thing goes seven. I just, you know, as much as I I want to see the Brewers make it to, for just the health of the sanity of, of friends and family, I, I just I don't want this bullpen thing to succeed. Because it's going to be a copycat thing. Yeah, that's what I was saying. If it wins, if they actually succeed and win with it, then here comes everybody else trying to do the same thing. Yeah. I can't imagine it going seven. I can't imagine uh, Wade Miley, however long he goes uh, uh, Friday or uh, whatever the next game is. I think the Dodgers have kind of adjusted mentally and uh, physically and they're like, okay, we're over all this shit. We know what what they're trying to do. We know what Council's trying to do, and we're just going to destroy whoever they put out there. It doesn't matter. Unless they yeah, put I, Hader out there for seven innings. Yeah, why don't they just have him start? Why don't they just have Hader right. pitch the first three innings? I mean, you know, stretch might as out. well. And then give your offense the chance to, to, you know, you trust that bullpen so much, but yeah, I you, you kind of get I kind of get that weird feeling like the, the the game six is that game where the Dodgers actually come out and score early and often. Now that they've sort of discovered an, an approach, I think it kind of helped. Maybe that thirteen inning game that went till like one o'clock in the freaking morning kind of helped <laughs> them because they got into that late those later innings when they actually started scoring the runs and you could see that the approach wasn't just you know swing for the fences. Their, their hitters were just trying to make contact and, you know, and then the conga line started going and it was like, Oh, okay. You know, we don't have to, every, every, we can't hit a, you know, six run home run on every pitch. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think they've made the adjustment. So the Dodgers are probably going to be in the world series again. Uh, Red Sox and Astros are, are dueling to see who's going to be uh, on the yeah. America league side. We both are on record as thinking whoever wins that series will win the whole thing. Cause uh, yeah, that goes. One of them. Yeah, that goes a ways back now. I mean, we got eight, eight, six Red Sox Astros right now in the eighth inning. Uh, one of those well, games. Been, been one hell of a game, huh? Yeah. yeah. A lot of scoring, not a lot of pitching in that one. <laughs> but 
But no, uh, neither team only really got an, uh, neither team got zero innings out of their starter. <laughs> you went zero plus and out. Right? Zero plus? Right. Is that the yeah. yeah. You pitch nothing plus. Oh Lord. You know, yeah, if that it, I just don't want that to be God. You know, we're gonna have to give Craig Council the, the Raleigh Fingers mustache. He could turn into like the mustache twirling villain now in the dugout. Like, ah! I pulled one on them. Oh, <laughs> uh, Snidely Council, yeah. Snidely, I like that. He's, he's the evil villain, but it, it, it's not going to work. We're, we're we're not going to what uh, what does what what do they the they always say in Scooby Doo? The villain would always say, uh, "If it wasn't for you kids, if it wasn't for you, uh, oh jeez." I would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for you, something kids. <laughs> I'm just forgetting the words that the guy always used. Yeah, council would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for those bleeping hitters uh, yeah. in the Dodgers lineup. Yeah, no, and, and, and we have to do. Yeah, we made fun of Dave Roberts early in the series, and then I had talked about how I thought council kind of blew the second game by uh, you know leaving some people in for too long. Go figure, and. uh yeah, this this one now you're starting to feel like you know the Dodgers they they survived the marathon game, now they put it on the Brewers here a little bit in the in game five and then, but these series are set up for the home team to go home down three two. The very nature of the schedule is set up this way if the home team just holds serve. That's true. So then the Brewers will have to come back and hold serve of their own for two games. Yeah, they will have the World Series will be done in a you know, what, week and a half, two weeks, and we'll be uh, we'll be clearly out of baseball season. And basketball just got started, and we don't really talk a lot of basketball on this show. But and regular season's too damn long. I'm sorry, just is. Yeah, it used to start around Halloween. Now we're in mid-October, and they're starting the basketball yeah, they, schedule. They did that on purpose because too many. Stars uh, were taking nights off when they were like nationally televised games because they were like, "Well, we just played last night, so no, we're not going to do back to back for you." No. So the league is trying to accommodate the stars a little bit by spacing out more of the off days so that you don't have a big uh, Sunday, uh, Saturday night showdown on ABC uh, between LeBron and somebody, and LeBron is taking a night off or something. So they're, they're trying to accommodate yeah. that. Do you need eighty-two games though? I mean, you don't. You really don't. I mean, just you also need 162. No, probably not. But um, and you also don't need the seven games uh, in the first round for the for the playoff series for the NBA. And you don't need right. the, uh, the 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 wild card playing game in baseball, which we still are dead set against. It's such a joke. Yeah, I mean they they have the second wild card, but they could do something a little bit more creative. You know, and the baseball playoffs roll by so quick. I mean, it's basically two games, an off day, three games, an off day, two games. I mean, it goes bam, bam, bam. You could extend that wild card to to a best, like I said, best two out of three. Um, or, you know, my, I liked my idea, best two out of three, and all three games are at the first wild card team's home stadium. There you go. <laughs> Not to worry about travel. No travel. You earn the right to host all three of those wild card games to be the wild card. Make it hard for that second wild card. Like you got into the playoffs, but we're not going to make it easy for you. We're going to make you play all three games at the other guy's place. You're going to have to earn your way in. 
just to go play the number one seed in the playoffs. So you burn through your bullpens, burn through your rotation. So yeah, I mean, make make it costly. You know, and you can see if the Rockies taking the Cubs uh, two out of three at Wrigley. It could have happened, but it, you know, at least you're not just boiling it all down to one game. Right. Uh, I like that idea too. Yeah, I, it's just I think it's dumb. That 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 that'd be like you know we're gonna have uh, the wild card football weekend and it's basically gonna play where all teams are gonna play one quarter. <laughs> and if you are leading at the end of that quarter, then congratulations, you have advanced to the next round. Exactly. It, you sort of bastardize the whole thing where everything is geared towards series, and you know they're just such a disadvantage just to having it be one game. Anybody yeah, can win one game. Exactly. 16 football games uh, distilled down into one. That's understandable. 162 baseball games, and then you yeah. lose one and your season's over. That That's just silly. Yeah. And, like, we've, 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 we've been down on this because it could be one bad break, one bad call. An area, yeah, just your whole season basically goes all goes up in smoke over one bad pitch, one bad inning, not not even a series, even a short series. I yeah, basketball fun. doesn't even do that. Can you imagine if basketball had a series that came that had one game? <laughs> Is there one game oh, basketball wow, series? Sure. Yeah, and do it even that. better. I just here you go. I figured out the way to make that three game series work. One of the games has to be a double header. Oh, God. <laughs> well, now the union's going to get involved, and they're, they're going to be upset that you're making their guys yeah. play two games in one day. And Yeah. That is, that's not going to fly. Double, you know, okay. Well, no, because the not going to let that happen. Double header, it's all over. And right. And get the next two days off. You're starting to scare me now. You're getting that evil laugh. You're, you're ah, turning yeah, into well, great counsel over there. Okay. All right. Starting, <laughs> to, starting to scare you. It's time to, I think it's time to end the show. Well, I didn't give the numbers uh, for last week. Uh, I, I pulled out a nine reason. and I don't want to hear them. <laughs> I pulled out a nine and six, and then you went five and ten. So that gave me a four game boost over you. So now for the season, I'm up nine. Uh, I can up that. Yeah, this can switch back uh, coming up in week seven, so you, you could get those four back easily. So, uh, but yeah, we're battling it out. Uh, it's uh, it's still early. It's uh, only after six weeks. We got uh, eleven more weeks of picks to go. So, uh, but I'm I'm liking where I'm sitting right now at, at five fifty six for the for the year so far. I'm I'm liking my chances. You're liking your chances in week six. Yeah. All right. I like I'm that. Good. <laughs> I'm oh, getting good. overconfident. You you should be happy about that. I am, yeah, because one of us is due for a two and fourteen, or oh, two God. and twelve, you know, or, yeah. Because we have four bye weeks this week, right? No, how many bye weeks do we have this week? Let's see. Four? The Packers, four, the Raiders, the Steelers, and the Seahawks yeah. are all off this week. Okay. Oh yeah. So no. Oh no. Packers. Oh good. I mean, I actually see some customers at my job. <laughs> um, well, it makes sense that Oakland and Seattle have the bye week, being that they just yes. played in London. 
So that means we're only that means they're only running fourteen games this week. So okay. Yep. And we're already disagreeing on the first one, a game that I don't think either one of us are gonna watch. I can't imagine I'd turn that game on for longer than a few minutes. I mean, I'll I check the imagine. score. I'll pull out my phone and see, like, oh, what's going on in that game. But I, I don't really see myself watching much of that Denver-Arizona game. That's no, that, that's, a, that's a hard watch, as they say. Well, Fox, Fox right, paid so. a lot of money for this. And, and and poor Joe Buck, and, and never thought I would say poor Joe Buck about anything. But so he's got to go from doing the baseball to flying mm-hmm. to Arizona to do this piece of shit game, and then go back to doing the baseball. Uh, it'd be one thing well, if you were flying to, to do a good game, but you got to interrupt your baseball broadcasting. You'll call that. That's true. Yeah, because there's no NLCS tomorrow, so that's the off day. That's the that's the travel day. Are they going to make him go do that, or are they just going to call in? I mean, you'd I think, think that it's... they would just—you'd think they'd just call in whoever their sort of like B guy is, like Brenneman or something like that, right? No, because they got Thursday night. They got the night to themselves. They got everybody watching them. They want their A team up there. It's going to be Buck and Aiken. Oh, I man. promise you. If I'm, you know, if I'm, if I'm Joe Buck, I'm like, can I call an audible on this <laughs> I'm one? Say, I'm... <laughs> it's, it's Denver, it's Denver, Arizona, guys. Really? You don't need me for this. I'm you got me working every day already for the ball playoffs. I, I, really? Come on, guys. I mean, if this was a good game, yeah, you bring in your A crew. I mean, they they could throw like way down. Who who's somebody like way down the list calling games for them at Fox? That's who they Sam Rosen is calling the Denver Arizona <laughs> game on Thursday night. No, it's I'm telling you. They got the they got the Can window they, to themselves in the primetime audience. Can they just go get that summer all? <laughs> is he is he uh, hanging out with Pete Rosell or is he still kicking? Yeah, they're they're both uh they're they're calling games in the sky. Oh, okay. They gotta get somebody but Musburger? You know, it was CBS back when it was the NFC, right? You know, but that's a, yeah. You know, Uncle Brent is that's in like, Vegas. He's, see, that's us going not... way back. In, that's us in the wayback machine when the Fox uh, didn't have the NFC and it was on CBS. That's uh, before a lot of people's time. There's uh, probably some people listening that aren't aware can, that that ever happened. I could still see the cheesy computer computer generated football guy at the beginning of the NFL today. <laughs> I can still see Irv Cross's terrible parting of his afro on the one side, which did not ever look right. I read oh, that he's going man. through okay. Alzheimer's now, so I, the, oh. shout out to him, unfortunately. Okay. Well, he'll never remember yeah. that you just made fun of him. That's positive. That's true. <laughs> a terrible, terrible joke about Alzheimer's. The one good thing about it is you, you make new friends every day. Hey, hey! Terrible joke. All right. Yeah. We were both being extremely un-PC, so it's time to get out of here. Uh, unless you had anything else about uh, week six? Uh, no, it was a bad I had a bad week. You did. But, but you can always bounce back. Yeah, we've had All a right, lot of bad so... weeks on this show between the two of us. There's nothing <laughs> new. It's like there's never like any panic, you know. It's just it's a bad week, you know. I, you had a bad week. 
we've had good ones and we've had bad ones all up and down both sides of the both sides of the ledger. Five win week isn't the end of the world. We've had plenty of them. Well, you'll try to rebound starting Saturday night. Is uh, we good for Saturday? Um, yeah. Next week's the weird week. Next next week's the week I actually do a Thursday show. Ah, uh, okay. Because that's the week where I am completely not around Friday or Saturday. On vacation with the family. All right. So this week coming up this weekend for week seven, the rest of week seven's picks in the NFL. We should be there Saturday night yep. live at 9 p.m. Central, 10 p.m. Eastern to give you the rest of our picks. And we're going head to head tomorrow night with Denver and Arizona. I got the Broncos and you got the cards. So we'll see how that turns out. But I, yeah, I don't think either one of us is going to watch too much of that. Yeah, now we're not going to probably have a whole lot of breaking down to do on Saturday for that one. I wouldn't think we would. All right. He is Jay. I am Dre. This has been In Much Less Detail, the podcast recapping an active week six in the NFL. We thank everybody for listening, and we will be back live with you for the week seven picks Saturday night, 9 p.m. Central, 10 p.m. Eastern, and we'll talk to you then.